Welcome to Take It From The Iron Woman. My name is Susanne Müller, your host and the Iron Woman. This podcast is about empowering yourself and others to make real changes in the world. You will hear from everyday, smart, sophisticated, hip people like you and me. Not everybody has to be an Iron Woman to impress the world. Together, we will learn from the sports and business leaders how you can become a more successful person as an entrepreneur or a leader. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. Take your steps now. Take your big steps now. Join me on this journey to success. Take it from the Iron Woman. After 300 episodes, we still have interesting guests here. And today we go to Jamie. Jamie and I go back to masterclass at Teachers College, Columbia University, many moons ago, but still in this century. It's not that long ago. Jamie is the CEO of Inspire Human Resources, a certified woman-owned small business. She has been recognized as one of the New Jersey's 2018 Best 50 Women in Business. She has worked as a workplace culture expert and HR business partner since 1994. Jamie, introduce yourself. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Suzanne. It's so good to um, just spend time together. I'm thrilled that we have this opportunity. I have, like you, been really passionate about HR, leadership, workplace dynamics since the start of my career and was working at American Express for several years when the doctor surprised us and said to my husband and I, I knew you wanted to start a family. Surprise, you're due with twins. And it was really that meeting our kids, Benjamin and Anna, that made me think of ways that I could work innovatively. And American Express, best place to work, such a great culture. At that point, though, the level of flexibility that I wanted to do this thing called working from home 10 hours a week, it just, no one was doing it then. So with that, I launched the company, I always say from the corner of our living room at a little desk, Thomas the Train, stuff all over the floor and Elmo the doll. But on my desk, the notion was how to offer really cerebral, strategic HR advisory work to companies that either had someone out on parental leave, a tough to fill spot that was open too long and they needed someone to kind of parachute in and fill the spot, or maybe a venture back type growth company that very much wanted to build HR infrastructure mm-hmm. from scratch. With that, I did, I've always said kind of fractional work makes us whole. And the idea is that if we work fractionally, work around hours at work for whatever we're juggling on the home front. It makes us whole as a human being on Mm -hmm. on a soul level. So here we are, we just celebrated our 15 year anniversary and it's 37 experts um, across 12 states, all are part-time W-2s. And I think each of them are working fractionally for different reasons that make them whole. Some like me are raising kids, other have aging parents. Uh, We have a woman on the team who runs triathlons, another one who literally in Sonoma, California has a vineyard. We know that there are certain months of the year, she has her crop and her harvest. She is not free, but the other months she is thrilled. Another woman, she just finished a six month parental leave at a fortune 500 company. And she just is launching her latest record. She's on tour for that. People have these very full lives, but do very senior work um, in areas of HR business partner, total rewards, 
talent acquisition and talent management. We kind of parachute in and we're like the secret weapon for kind of CEOs or heads of HR that need to have uh, interim or kind of dedicated embedded resources during these very volatile times that we find ourselves in. That's the quick skinny on how it got started. And I, I am really honest whenever people ask why we started, why I started the company, because I think what happens, Suzanne, is when you're on these, I'm so many times on panels and people talk about female business owners and they'll say, gosh, how did you get started? With all due respect, many of my esteemed colleagues will say things like, well, I saw a confluence of different factors in the marketplace and given the, and I'm thinking, you are not speaking your full truth, sister. The real reason that anyone is crazy enough to start their own company is typically because they had something big happen in their life, something heartbreaking or heartwarming. We were so lucky to welcome our twins, but something that just like the things that make you go, hmm, like the things that make you just stop in your tracks and say, is there a different way that I can support my family with just a touch more flexibility? I just give it to people straight because I feel like there's lots of people out there who might be thinking, do I hang my own shingle? Do I try it? I just think it's important to tell the truth that people start it often because something on the home front happens. It makes them just reevaluate. I think there's not one human on the planet who is not reevaluating. We're entering season three of the pandemic. I can only add to that. A lot of people sugarcoat, like I'm a CEO. I lost my job and then I was trying to get a new job and all of a sudden opportunities came my way. I always wanted to be on my own. Now there was the time. It might have been a little risky, yeah. but as an entrepreneur, I get many times a question, when is a good time to start my company? Mm. Now we say there's never a good time. There's never a yeah. bad time. Start now. If it, What happens if it doesn't work out? Then you do something else. Well said. Well said. And I, someone told me a long time ago, when I was first thinking of starting this, it was Q4 of 2006, I reached out to just anyone I knew. Can you just give me like three pearls of wisdom, just anything? And someone mm. was so smart. She said, all you need is one client to be in business. She said, if you can just find one, then you're officially in business. I thought, well, that it's just so real. It's so attainable. It doesn't feel so intimidating. You don't need to be on like the Forbes fortune, whatever list they have. It's just like find a client, do really good work, and then you'll get busier than what to do with. You started out as one person and now you have 37 and you said you have six people running the show in the background. Yeah. How do you orchestrate everything? You're still one person. <laughs> so as an HR person, you know, we're always taught, look for people's superpowers, look for their strengths and really be authentic about what we're good at and what we're not good at, either as an individual or an organization and like hire around it, hire around whatever that core strength is. How does it work? I've been really intentional about the leadership team members that I recruit. I work really intentionally to retain them. They are an amazing group. We've got great tenure and I take nothing for granted. I live in the real world every day I wake up and I hope that everything's okay for them on the home front, on the work front. Do they have the flexibility that they need? Do they feel like it's a, um, a really challenging role? That's for starters. I'm really intentional about the team that's help, that's helping me to lead the company. I always feel really humbled. Like you're only as good as your last project. Mm -hmm. I'm from a long line of people who love to fish. We have like little rowboats. And every time I catch a fish, it's like I'm eight years old. I'm so excited. I've caught my first fish. And it's every time I get a new client, I get so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, like really? They picked us. Like I'm so, 
how do we do it? I think it's about really being intentional about the people that you have in your team that you trust and that culture, then really trying to hire experts who are incredibly motivated to do beautiful work on a part-time fractional basis. I really spend a lot of time understanding like the why underneath they really want mm-hmm. to do it. Because I know that if they're doing it for something that they're crazy passionate about, they'll give it their all because they just want mm-hmm. to do that great work, take a month off and then do great work again. That's a little bit about kind of how I screen for talent, so to speak. But then how do you keep on top of everything? For starters, our twins, they'll be 17 next week. So it's so appropriate that you and I are talking today. Benjamin and Anna are amazing humans, like way exceeding every hope and dream that I had for them. They're, they're nice. They're kind. And so that makes it easy. I they have the best role model. probably. Oh my also. God. Well, if they were on, they would say my mom, my mom has a really strong work ethic, but she tends to exhaust everyone around her because I always have a hundred ideas. And so a couple of things. First, I walk about 18 miles a week, whether like Norway, they have that saying, it's not about bad weather, just bad clothing. I, whether mm-hmm. it's rain and snow, I just bundle up in a hundred layers if it's cold. I walk a couple miles every day just to kind of clear my mind. I also find that whatever's going on, with the real Twitter, which is like how the birds interact with the squirrels and the park near So that for me really helps widen my aperture on what is possible. I walk by the same lake and trees every day. View never looks the same. I try to jump into nature a little bit. Other thing, I really don't do a lot on social media. I have a little area on my phone. I have one called Thieves and what's in there? All the social media platforms. I created these hacks where I knew that once I look on it for one minute, I'll be on for 30. I never go into social media in a better mood when I leave. And I'm really boring. I eat as much as I can, like a like a whole food, plant-based diet, as much as I can, just because I feel like if I've got avocado and green juice in me and veggies, I have some energy in my engine. I, you know, I do all the normal things. I try to meditate. I was raised Jewish. I try to like do like spiritual spirituality. I attend services when I can via Zoom, like all the normal things that probably anyone is doing during this time to just stay centered. And I try to really stay away from toxic negative relationships. You're a role model for all of us. I like the social media. You get sucked in. And the only thing I have to say, I've been working from home for the past probably 15 yeah. years. Yeah. And as a solo entrepreneur, sometimes I would say social media was my connection to the world, not to the real world. Yeah. What's happening or what are other people doing? That was kind of like a little pick me up when I was yes. working and just focusing on the computer because as a solo entrepreneur, it's lonely. Boy, it is so all sorts of lonely having to come up with the next big idea as a founder mm-hmm. and also just working from home. Similarly, I've worked from home so much these years. Even before the pandemic, I would do half a week in the city, half the week home office. But with social media, I hear you, I also like, I'll go on LinkedIn and I'll hear, I'll watch different videos or hear really innovative things that are happening. Oh my goodness, that absolutely rejuvenates me. I try to set a timer. This is my hack. I try to set a timer on my phone. I'll just say, hey, Siri, set alarm for 10 minutes. Because I find that many times there are there is a lot of negative messaging. I try to really kind of weed out some of that stuff because it kind of sets the tone in our mind of, of what we're doing with the rest of our day. How will the future look like? Mm, I tend to live in the future. That's just how my brain is kind of wired. I have all these sticky notes on my computer that say, be here now, be present. Mm-hmm. But in, the reality is my head's always in the future. I think we're living in very volatile times. 
even before this heartbreaking war broke out in Ukraine, even before the pandemic, we're just, we are living in volatile times. I think just starting there and recognizing that there is only so much that we can plan for and so much that we can control. But man, the more we are prepared, the more we can respond. Kind of like defensive driving. It's just about being prepared for whatever is ahead. So what is the future? I think that the future will remain volatile and uncertain. I think we also are at a moment in time where the role of CHRO, of chief HR officer, head of people is so critical to the culture of the organization. I was saying earlier, it's like right before Y2K, the CEO, big boardroom, she would turn her swivel chair to the head of technology and say, how are we going to get through this before Y2K? Similarly, the CEO is turning her gaze to the Zoom box with the head of people and saying, any suggestions? We have an overdue racial reckoning in our country. We have mental health challenges that are unprecedented in our country. We have everyone sorting out the back to office challenge. Uh, New York Times did a piece today just talking about how leaders who are now receiving these people back into a hybrid environment, back on site, are now being leaders who are unprepared, now being tasked with the wellness challenges Mm -hmm. that their employees have. What is the future? I think that the future is accepting the volatility, also upskilling leaders, a whole new set of competencies, Mm -hmm. empathy, authenticity, speaking your whole truth, holding space for other people's pain. Those things were never mentioned as leadership competencies and talent reviews that I led. Do they have a strong work ethic? Will they fly to London at little notice? Do they have a good golf game? I'm being silly, but like there were other things that like differentiated the Mm -hmm. strong from the less equipped leaders. And I think that is a big part of the future. I also think that the impact of climate change is very much getting woven into the future of work. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to sound cup half empty. I'm very hopeful that this moment is our pivot, but I think that we have to very much think about the climate disruptions that we will continue to have in terms of workplace continuity. I think that those things need to be baked into strategy as well. And also the reskilling and upskilling that are that will continue to be needed from all of the companies that are trying to very quickly shift their business models and their offering based on um, all the volatility in the market. Have I exhausted you yet? <laughs> I'm Two things. It's the company with their business model has to change. But then you had have to translate that into the company culture oh, and yes. accommodating the employees and listening. Now these days it's about the hybrid approach. And you yes. said when you were pregnant with your twins, American Express was not open to have you work from home or maybe one day in the office. People can pick I'm like, I'm not coming to the office anymore. What do you think? It yes. was working during the yes. pandemic. Why should I come back? What we're seeing now with the big quit is the seismic shift and people are leaving. They're not going home to meditate, eat bonbons and watch, binge watch Bridgerton. What they really are doing is they want more flexibility. We've seen things that we can't unsee. (laughs) I've seen more people's nightstands in their bedroom than I ever (laughs) wanted to see. The toothpaste is out of the tube. Once you've had dinner with your family for 330 days in a row, it's really hard to say to a leader, can you do, can you, what days in May are you free for the offsite in Barcelona? Because if you're doing the offsite in Barcelona, you're kind of missing a lot on the home front. And you're, let's be honest, those bookends of the weekends are all about prepping for that trip to Barcelona. And then you come back. And I'm going to be honest, you're just a little exhausted. There's just some transition time. So I think that for a lot of leaders, 
to ask them to work in this new way. What we're hearing is when we come together, it has to be very intentional. Mm-hmm. We've come together for things like these are fancy consulting words, but like the ideation, the brainstorming session, like things that are hard to do mm-hmm. from a home office without really seeing people from the shoulders down, without being able to touch a sticky note together, all the mm-hmm. things that happen when you're in the same room. I think that it is a tall order to ask. I've probably heard of five companies total who at this point are asking people to come back in five days a week. Can we just take a second on that? If you think of the thousands of companies that you and I know, can you think of more than five? They're saying five days a week in the office. The younger generation, they're like 70%. No, we want to stay at home. Maybe the older generation, they want to go back. We just have to make sure that you have to motivate the people at home. But I always say, if you have lazy people, people who do not perform well, they do the same as if they are in the office or at home. It doesn't make a difference. They know how to be lazy no matter what. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What I think happened during this time is that people also use some of that time for, I know you love to run, they use it for exercise, mm-hmm. they use it for wellness, they use it for showing up differently for families. Mm-hmm. They invested a little bit in themselves, like that crick in their shoulder that was always hurting. They're like, I should probably one of these days, like go to physical therapy. Well, let's mm-hmm. see the PTs here in town. Let me make the time. Like, I just think there's a little bit more hair and feeding of the soul and the body yeah. that people have been able to do. But as this translates to work, I think that what we also saw during the during the pandemic is that people were they were almost too productive, right? Where they <laughs> forgot to eat and they yeah, forgot yeah. to to take breaks. I think that we're in a moment, we're at this really exciting moment where we are all as humans and as leaders trying to really calibrate a little bit mm-hmm. what's too much, what's not enough. Mm-hmm. I think it's a thrilling time to be alive, to be a leader, to be, I think the future is female. I think it's a great time to be a woman. There's just so much innovation coming out from historically marginalized groups. And it's finally their turn to have a seat at the table um, yeah. or a box on Zoom, which is like this great democratization. Just everyone's Zoom box is the same size. So it doesn't matter in previous culture. It's like there were some executive floors. You need to have a certain elevator pass key to get to that executive floor to mm-hmm. even be near people. Yeah. Now, you're on the same boxes together on Zoom. You can hit someone in chat who's a C-level leader. There's also been this beautiful moment where working virtually has democratized access to senior leaders, which I think is also really energizing. The challenge we always talk about with our clients is as we return, how do we keep all of the initiatives around diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging top of mind? How do we weave in all the initiatives around wellness and make that part of the, mm-hmm. the DNA of the organization? If you and I did this podcast in three months and three years, we would have very different views on it. The future is here. The future is female. I like that a lot. You and I are female-owned companies. This is an important moment. And thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for the conversation. It's so important. Be well. Take it from the Iron Woman. We have episodes every Monday. Chime in. There's something for everybody. You name it, we have it. Thank you for your support. See you next time. Bye-bye.